Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Thank you, Brother Bob. Appreciate that. Take your Bibles and join me in Psalm 50, if you would, this evening as we work just through some of these Psalms. And I trust they're a blessing to you. I trust that you're feeding from them and being encouraged through them. I tell you, I had a tremendous time last week as a highlight service for me, work with those kids. That was fun, wasn't it? And uh, seeing them sing and then preaching to them about David and those five smooth stones. You remember that? And uh, so I hope that was a blessing to you as well. Psalm 50, uh, Psalm 50 really, David in verse number one uh, kind of highlights, it's not David, I'm sorry, it's Asap. He highlights uh, what he's going to talk about. Look, look at verse one. He says, the mighty God even, even the Lord hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun into the going down thereof. And so David's going to speak to us tonight. Uh, let me see if this thing is working. David's going to speak to us about our mighty God. And that's something that you and I, of course, uh, you know, we marvel of how good God is. Isn't that right? And so we're going we're gonna to just pick through Psalm uh, 50 for a little bit this evening. But let me, let me just highlight a verse for us. Do you, do you have a life's verse? Anybody have life verses? You know what that is, right? It's a Bible verse that, you know, it's just special to you. It's a Bible verse that uh, God has used in your life maybe as an anchor. You know, uh, maybe you're going, through, you know, you're going through some things and God gave you a verse. And man, you just anchored your faith into that verse. You got a verse like that? How many got a verse like that? Go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, maybe it was a guiding verse. You know, I have what I call my ministry verses, Donald. You know, when God called me specifically in different ministries, you know. I'll never forget when he called me uh, to, to our first church. God gave me a verse of scripture for that. It's, it's a life verse, you know. And uh, you don't forget life verses. They are guiding posts, you know, they continue, God continues to use them in your life. You ought to get a life verse or get, you know, every time you're going to make a move or a major decision, you know, look at scripture. God will guide you through his word. One Bible verse for me is in verse 15 here, Psalm 50, verse 15. He said this, and call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Well, I tell you what, man, I, I, I've anchored my faith into that Bible verse many, many, many times through the years, and it's become, it's just become one of my life verses, you know? So we're going to get to that because there's instruction given there in uh, verse, well, really, it's, it's in the last two verses, 14 and 15, for Israel, but for all of God's kids. But let's read a little bit. Let, let's, let's start again, verse number one. He said, the mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken... And called the earth from the rising of the sun into the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come. Aren't you glad? Say amen right there. Amen. Our God shall come. Hey, Brother Tim, I see you way back there. There's somebody out in the lobby who might need a little bit of help. Would you assist, please? Thank you. 
Uh, look again. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very temptuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Verse 5. He said, gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me. Now, he's really speaking there about Israel, and I'll prove that to you in just a moment. He said, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. Look at verse 7. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, who? O Israel. And so he's speaking to specifically the nation of Israel, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable to all people. Right? And so we're here as well. And he said, I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. Now take that in for a second. God is saying, God is saying, the Lord is saying, the mighty God is saying, I will testify against thee. Huh? That's sobering, isn't it? I'll testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Look at verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Verse 14. Verse 14 and 15 kind of go together to give some good instruction. He said, offer unto God thanksgiving, pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Well, that's a powerful passage of Scripture, isn't it? And in, in, in a broader sense, let me just give you a little background here. In a broader sense, Psalm 50 is a, it is a prophetic psalm. And, and what that basically means when you speak about that word prophetic, it, it's talking, it's directing, you know, it's, it's guiding us towards some future events. And so the psalmist here in writing and composing this psalm is looking towards something in the future. Are you with me? Uh, and when you study it out, of course, uh, it says, at least it says in, in the inscription above Psalm 50 for me, it says, God will judge a psalm of Asaph, right? So in your inscription, you see that, right? And we come to realize this. We studied this out a few weeks back. Uh, we, we found out who Asaph was. You know, not all psalms were written by David. Isn't that right? You know, some were written by Moses. Did you know that? There's a section of Psalms that Moses composed. Well, this one was composed by Asaph. And Asaph, we're told, mm, when you study it out, he was, he was part of the worship team. <laughs> he was part of the worship team uh, in Jerusalem uh, there at the temple. And, uh, and he was a musician, you know, and, and served under David. But he was also a composer. He was a composer of um, sacred songs. And some of those songs are right here in the, in the Psalms, and they're beautiful, you know? And this one here, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's a psalm composed as a warning to the nation of Israel. It's a, it's a song of warning. And, and the warning, the warning is this, he's warning, do not substitute formality for spirituality. Say that with me. Do not substitute formality 
for spirituality. They're vastly different. Huh? And, and, and I really believe that might be a great warning for the church today because uh, I think, I think uh, a lot of what the church does today qualifies for formality. You can say amen right there. It's okay. Nobody hurts you, right? And, and, and let me clarify that because I think sometimes when you speak about uh, things such as that, you got to be clear. Um, I, I think this, I think there's nothing wrong with order and structure. In fact, the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 14 uh, to the church, let all things be done decently and in order. And so I think there's place, don't you? I think there's place for order and structure. However, order and structure should never be a substitute for worship. Huh? If you've listened to me at all over the past, I don't know how long I've been here, five years it feels like, you know that I've been, I've been kind of staying on certain themes. If you go back and listen to all my messages, I'm staying on certain themes on purpose. You know, and part of it is this, that we as a church do not get so rigid and, and, and just so married and so settled in the way we've always done it. That's formality. Correct? Now, I am a creature of habit. You ask my wife. I mean to tell you, I'm up every day at the same time. I do the same thing every morning. You know, I mean, I'm just a creature of habit. If I'm not out of the house at a certain time, I feel backslidden. If I hadn't had my second cup of coffee by like 8.30, my day doesn't go well. You know, if my white socks are mixed with my black socks, I, I just can't have breakfast. I mean, I'm a mess. I am a creature of habit. However, I, I disdain formality. You know? And so I think it's fine to have structure. We ought to have structure. You think, about, think about a world, think about your life without structure. Think about our society with no laws. You're glad there's laws. You just don't like the ones that hinder you, <laughs> right? That's the speed limit sometimes. What a hindrance, <laughs> you know? Uh, but nonetheless, I think this, I think even though there's nothing wrong with order, structure, it, it's, it's not a good substitute for worship, for worship. And, you know, worship is a spiritual virtue. Uh, formality is man-led, Spirituality is spirit-led, right? The great possibility is to bring both together, right? So that you have some structure, but in the midst of that structure, there's enough freedom to worship God. Oh, you miss that. You miss that. Huh? See, uh, we, we have some structure, we start service at a certain time. It's not come any time you want. We're going to be here all day. <laughs> right? We just change out teams and change out preachers. Just come any time you want. No, we start at a certain time. Right? I, I mean, we, we, we have a set something. We, we have some singing, and then we have some preaching. And, but in the midst of that, there ought to be enough freedom for all of us to worship God and not be so bound to our formalities. Are you with me? Maybe you'll think about that as we leave tonight. 
Spirituality, listen now, spirituality is a measurement. Formality can become a hindrance. You know how you measure spirituality? Think about it for a second. Don't answer yet. How do you measure spirituality? How, how would you know, Kevin, how would you know if you're any more spiritual today than you were five years ago? How would you know that? Well, I'll tell you how, I'll tell you how I know it. Because I read more Bible today than I did then. Do you know there's lost people that read the Bible? Huh? I know more Christian words now than I did then. There's lost people that say, praise God. <laughs> right? How do we measure spirituality? How, how, how do you do that? Look at the screen. Man, I tell you what. It's terrible when things don't work. Go ahead and flip that if you would. Look at the screen. There you go. Spirituality is a measurement of Christ-likeness. So how do you measure spirituality in your life? Well, let me ask you this question. How much like Christ are you? Are you more like Christ today than you were a year ago? A month ago? A week ago? Huh? How do I measure Christ-likeness? That's another question, right? I love Oswald Chambers, uh, Will. We talk about that. One of his great statements is this. Uh, listen to this carefully. I, I love this. The Christian life is best lived in close proximity to Christ. Oh, that's rich. Isn't that wonderful? I like to claim that for my own, Raj. Think about it. Let me say it again. The Christian life is best lived in close proximity to Christ. And the only way you can be like Christ is if you know what Christ was like. Doesn't that make sense? Uh huh? Right? So, how do I measure, Donald, how do I measure spirituality in my life? Well, I, 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 maybe it's by what I do. No, no, that's not what Jesus teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches not what you do, it's but what you are. It's what you are. You know why I do what I do? Because of who I am. Huh? Right? And listen to this one. If you is what you was, then you ain't. That's deep, Bob. Right? And that means this. There ought to be some movement. Don't you agree? Some movement in our life to where we can measure, yes, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like I used to be. I'm more of what he wants me to be. Well, how do I measure that? I personally use Galatians 5 in verse number 22 on down, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the temperance, the meekness, the faith. Because that really is, honestly, that's just a description of the Christ life. Huh? Uh, my wife and I had a sweet, wonderful meeting today, and I hope you're watching uh, Jeanette Torres. We sat and talked with her for over an hour. She's a sweet lady, you know? And um, we, were, we were kibitzing back and forth. And, uh, and when we were talking about this very thing, you know, about, about growing in your relationship with the Lord, you know, and allowing, and one of the things I said, we were talking about happiness, and said, you know, Pastor, she said, happiness is fleeting. I said, it is. Happiness, true happiness is a byproduct of joy. You get joy. You get the joy of the Lord. It's not contingent upon anything. Look here, I don't have to get that raise in order to have joy or happiness if I got the joy of the Lord. I hope I get the raise. 
Things don't have to go my way in order for me to be happy. That's called happeningness. Happiness is a byproduct of, of joy, and joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So the closer we get to Him, the more we become like Him, the more joy, it's a virtue, the more joy we're going to have. Does that make sense? Huh? And so Asaph here is kind of composing a psalm of warning. It's for the children of Israel, but it's applicable for the church. Don't substitute formality for spirituality. And I can preach for, I, I, tell you, I, can, I can take the rest of the night and go down that road, but I'm not even halfway through the first part of my introduction. And time's almost up. So let me, let me move on. There's a, a beautiful picture here that the psalmist paints. Flip it. This isn't working, guys, so just stay with me. I'll just say flip it, okay? Uh, and, 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 and I want you to see the scene. Uh, go back to the psalm with me and look at, look at verse number uh, four. He said, shall I call? He shall call to the heavens from above to the earth and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me. Look at verse six. The heaven shall declare, for God is judge himself. Look at verse 7, I will testify. You know, what, you know what Asaph is doing here? He's painting a picture for us. He's painting a scene for us, and, and it's a courtroom scene. He says this, he said, the roof of the courtroom is heaven above. The floor is earth beneath. Huh? Are you with me? Uh, God himself Get this, he's not only the judge, but he's the chief witness. Did you see it? I just read it for you. It's a courtroom scene. Who's on trial? Israel. Here are my people, and I will speak and testify against you. So it's a courtroom scene, right? Uh, God's on the throne, but he's also the chief witness. And the indictment, the indictment is in verse number 8. He said, I will, I will not reprove. Let me read it this way. He's saying in verse number 8, I am not going to approve your sacrifices. And in verse number 9, he says, nor will I accept them. Did you see that? That's, that's big. God's saying to the nation of Israel, in essence, the implication is this, your whole sacrifice system. By the way, their whole religious right was built upon a sacrifice system. That was it. That's how they accessed God. That's how they worshiped God. Their sacrifice system, and he says this, it's not approved nor will I accept it because it's vain. It's vain. It's empty. You're bringing unapproved sacrifices, and I won't accept it. Huh? And you know what the implication was? Look at it again. Look at verse number 10. Look at verse number 10. Here's the implication from the Israelites. Uh, he says, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know the fowls of the mountain, the wild beasts of the field. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. Here's what, here's, what, here's what they were saying. God is dependent upon our sacrifice. Hello? They, 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 I mean, to tell you, they just thought, man, you know what? God's no, God's saying, I'm not dependent upon you. Fact is, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. What am I going to tell you for? By the way, I never get hungry. <laughs> huh? 
And so I would say this to us, John, think about this. God really doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. And if we're not willing to be used, he'll choose to use somebody else, but he will get his job done. His work will be accomplished through us or through us. I, I just, I would rather it be done through me. How about you? <laughs> I mean, I want to be a part of it, right? Amen? And uh, so they got this distorted view of God, and God tells them, look, I don't need your sacrifices. Look, look at the screen. Look what it says in the book of Acts. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath to all things. God doesn't need us. He chooses us. We get to be a part. Isn't that wonderful? Go ahead and flip the screen, guys. I wish this thing worked. Our mighty God. So, what he does then is this. He gives some instruction here. Now, I want, I want to give it to you tonight. He gives some instruction in verse 14 and 15. Uh, first of all, he says this. He says, offer to God thanksgiving. Go ahead, head guys, stay with me. Offer to God thanksgiving. You see it, verse 14? Offer unto God thanksgiving. Then he says this, number two, mm, pay thy vows to the Most High. Right? Pay your vows. And then finally he says, call upon me in the day of trouble. We could say, call upon me in your day of trouble. Because we're all going to have a day of trouble. Right? That's the instruction. Let me give you the application. Can I share the application with you? And i got to go quick because we're running out of time. Here's the application. I'm going to give you three thoughts based on that instruction. First thing is this. Every sacrifice must be a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Every sacrifice must be a sacrifice of thanksgiving. How does that play out? It plays out this way. There's a connection. Now pay attention right here. There's a connection between worship and praise. There's a connection, right? Uh, and what he's saying basically is this. Worship and praise should be, should be evident, should be a part of our daily lives. Every single day, you and I, you, by, the, by the way, you know this, right? We, you don't need to come to church to worship God. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship and praise should be a part of our daily lives. What's the difference, preacher? Oh, here's the difference. Now pay attention right here. Worship recognizes God for who he is. Take that in for a second. When I worship God, I'm recognizing God for who he is. Look at verse number one. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken. Now, you may not see it with the naked eye, but with the spiritual eye, he says the he says, the mighty God, Elohim. That's the spelling there for God, Elohim. You know what that speaks about? The plurality of God. Verse number one is talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is Lord. And that, that name Lord is almighty. So the Godhead is almighty. You know what we're doing here? We're recognizing God for who he is. We're worshiping God. And then praise is this you recognize god for what he's done worship who he is praise what he's done look at the next portion of that verse he has spoke and he's called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof he's worshiping god he's praising god right there in verse number one and so what he's saying is this every sacrifice must be a sacrifice of thanksgiving 
And that's got to be a part of our daily lives. I mean, if we're going to if we're going to stray a little bit from 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 formality and become a bit more uh, spiritual, then we've got to become more worshipful and praiseful. Here's a good exercise: tomorrow, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, count your complaints and count your praises. Go ahead, you'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised how many times you say "whoa," you know, rather than praise. Oh, yeah. We need to bring this, the, the sacrifice of things. See, what we have, we have because God has given us. What we do, we do because God permits us. <laughs> Isn't that good? In fact, in fact, uh, Isaiah said this. Do I have that verse up there, Isaiah 40 and verse number 9? Did I put that on the screen? No? Yes? Maybe? I guess not. Listen to it. He said this, O Zion, thou that, uh, that bringest good tidings, get thee up uh, into the high mount. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings. Listen to this. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold your God. Isn't that good? Behold your God. Now, let me give you a second thought here. Number two, application. Every vow must be paid in honor to God. So every sacrifice must be a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and every vow must be paid in honor to God. Isn't that what he said in verse number 14? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. You know what a vow is, right? Huh? <laughs> Man, you don't like to talk back at all. You know what a vow is, right? Yeah. There you go. Thank you. A vow is a promise we make, Right? Uh, December 31st, every year, right? The next day is? New Year's, January 1st. You know what people do, right? Yeah, they make resolutions or vows, right? Boy, this year I vow, I'm going to, I'm going to, here's number one, I'm going to lose weight. Sorry, I didn't mean to bring conviction. I'm sorry. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, and sometimes, you know, like I do, right, th those, those promises don't make it to the next week. A vow is a promise you make to God. Have you ever made promises to God? Have you? Come on, I have. I have. I don't forget this. Our, many years ago now, uh, our first child, my wife went into labor on January 1st, New Year's Day. She went into labor. We were just getting ready to eat dinner. My mother was making roasted pork. It smelled like, oh man, heaven has come down and glory is about to fill my soul. And all of a sudden my wife says, it's time for dinner, no for baby. Huh? Man, off to the hospital we go, New Year's Day. Uh, it's at what, about four o'clock in the afternoon, Donna? Head to the hospital, eight o'clock the next morning. That baby hadn't come yet. doctor comes in and says to us, this is our first child, we're just kids. You know, I think we were about 11 back then. <laughs> we're just kids. And the doctor says, we're going to have to, I mean, she's lying there like everything's okay. You know, bring me another milkshake. You're supposed to be having a baby, you know? And so the doctor said, we're going to have to induce you and then do a cesarean section. 
So, man, we were, we were really shaken up. I'll never forget this. The nurse came to me, and she gave me a, a, a bag filled with scrubs, right? Plastic bag scrubs. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. I've never been through this before, you know? And so what do I do with these? Go, go in there and put them on. I was going to go, Josh, I was going into the surgery room with her. Good grief. I don't know why she wanted me in there. You know, I pass out at the first sign of blood, you know. Anyway, I'm putting on the stuff, and I'm, I'm literally, literally in a broom closet. And I remember my art, we were just recently saved, just started going to church. And I remember, I remember this, Bob, in that closet, I get on my knees before God. It's January 2nd now, 1981, 82, 82. And I'm on my face before God. And I remember praying, I don't remember what I prayed, but I remember part of the prayer was this. And I know it was self-serving, it was selfish, it was childish, it was immature, but I prayed something like this, Cheryl. God, if you allow this thing to work out well, if, if Donna's good and we have our healthy baby, I promise to give you my life. I didn't hear God say, okie dokie, but that's what they said in heaven because he was going to hold me to that. And I'll never forget this. Shortly after they came and got me, I, Will, I was sweating bullets. I went into that room. I was shaking, man. And she was lying there. Everybody, all the medical talk and all the machines. I, I was a blur, man. You know, I couldn't wait to get out of that room. When they brought the baby out, I thought, oh, my goodness, she's ugly. Oh, she's so ugly. But it was, she was all, you know. After they cleaned her up, I said, that, that's, not, that's not the same kid that came out of her belly. But everybody was fine. Went to church that next Sunday, and God tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, remember what you promised? And I said, I did. And from that point forward, I promise you, from that point forward, I gave my life to God. And I said, Lord, whatever, whenever, wherever. And that led to a series of crazy events, getting called to preach, going to Bible college, didn't, it hasn't stopped. Coming to Open Bible Baptist Church in New Jersey. It hasn't stopped. It all started that day when I got on my face before God and made a promise. You know why I keep the promise? Because of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4. Would you flip that up, please? Do we have that verse there? Look what it says. When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou should make that, that uh, thou shalt vow and not pay. The next verse says, "Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin." If you make a promise to God, you better be careful before you make it, because God's going to hold you accountable for it. And so the psalmist said, "Every vow, go ahead and." Go back one. The psalmist said, every vow must be paid in honor to God. Did you see that? See how practical this becomes? It's amazing. You know, a portion of Scripture written thousands of years ago becomes practical, practical, before tonight, practical for tonight. We can apply it that way. Let me give you one final thing and we'll quit. The third thing is this. Every trial must become a prayer. Every trial must become a prayer. Did you see what he said in verse 15? And call upon me in the day of trouble. Huh? And I will deliver. So here's a couple of undeniable truths in verse number 15. Undeniable truth number one, there will be a day of trouble. 
call upon me in the day of trouble. He didn't say call upon me if you have trouble. <laughs> right? No, call upon me in the day of trouble. You've had some trouble? Here's what he said. When you're going through it, call upon me, and here's the promise. What's the promise? Truth number two. I will deliver thee. Isn't that good? Isn't that awesome? Well, you don't have time for me to testify about that, nor do I have time for you to testify about yours, but I'm sure we can all stand and testify about times when we were in trouble and we called upon God, and just like the psalmist said, man, he came through. He delivered us. He delivered us. He always does. <laughs> God sell, sell them early, but never late. Isn't that right? And the conclusion, look what he said, as a result, thou shalt glorify me. Isn't that good? Thou shalt glorify me. And that means simply this, you and I, after we've been delivered, we're going to tell everybody, man, it wasn't me, it was God. It was God. It was God. Have, have you had a chance to do that yet? It was God. It was all God. It's a God thing. It's God. Amen. Thou shalt glorify me. Let me finish with this thought. God, now pay attention here, God is always in a position to help us. Right? You, you can't say that about anybody. Always in a position to help? Huh? I mean, there's some things I can help you with and some things I can't. I'm not, an, I'm not in a position to always help, but God is. Now, let me follow that up with this statement. Pay attention to this. We must be in a position to receive help. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. God is always in a position to give help. We must be in a position to receive help because sometimes help is conditional. Think about this. Think about the blessings of God. Right? God, God says he's going to bless us. But you know the blessings of God are not arbitrary. Correct? I, I preached a message years ago about the blessings of God, and I'm going to finish here in just a moment. Are you okay? You sure? I don't want to overload you. Sometimes I think this, follow me. It's like God's got a pail of blessings, you know, just big old bucket, right? And, and, and every morning, every morning, he takes that pail of, of blessings, that bucket of blessings, and he comes to the precipice of heaven, and he says, hey, little ones, here you go. And he, and man, the blessings fall, and we just got to run to the blessings and grab them. And... No, don't work that way. If he had a pail of blessings, I don't know if he does or doesn't, but here's what he would do. He would pour them out deliberately upon those who were blessable. That's Bible. That's Bible. God is always in a position to help us, but we got to be in a position to receive that help, and sometimes we're not. We're not. And all he says is, in your day of trouble, call upon me, but we've called everybody but him. We've tried everything but him. And you know what he does? He just lets us go, and every once in a while, the Spirit of God will say, so how's that working out for you? <laughs> right? But when we call upon him, depend upon him, trust him, <laughs> the promise is I will deliver, and you'll have an opportunity to glorify me. Isn't that good? Look at this last portion of the screen. I don't think I put it up there. Uh, no, not that one. Get that off the screen. I don't want to confuse them. Listen to this. Matthew 7, verse 11 on down. You know the context. Asking it. 
seek and ye shall knock and it shall, right? Well, when you come on down, it says this. He says, uh, or, what, or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? <laughs> I mean, I'm a father. I love to bless my kids. I, I love it when my kids call and say, even now they're all adults, Dad, uh, can you help me? We're going to buy a new car. Can you, can you help me with this? I, I, I love to be in that position to help them. And I'm a fleshly father. Think about our Heavenly Father. Huh? He's always in a position to help us. We have to be in a position to receive that help. Amen? And so we got to be living in that position. Sunday morning, if the Lord tarries and doesn't change my direction, I'm going to preach a message on get yourself into position. That's the title of the message for Sunday. I'm kind of picking up right where we left off here. So we just carry over thoughts. I don't want to confuse you. Get yourself into position. Are we in position tonight to be blessed by God, to be helped by God? Prepare yourself for a blessing. Go ahead and flip that, guys, and we'll finish with this. Psalm 37, look at the screen. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him by his hand. He said this, I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Our mighty God. Isn't he a great God? Huh? Great and mighty is the Great and mighty is he. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is he. Praises to our King, great and mighty is the Lord our God, great and mighty is Let's leave with that. Talk deeply in our heart tonight and look to see if this week away can't be a blessing somehow, somewhere, to testify about Him. Amen? Let's stand together. We'll pray. If you need somebody to pray with you before you leave, we're available, friends. We're down, we'll be right down front here. Just come by. We'll kneel with you, pray with you, talk with you, chat with you. You need somebody to talk to this week, call the office, stop by and see us. We'll be happy to come by and see you if necessary. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this great gathering. We ask you to encourage us and strengthen us through it tonight. I pray as we go our way and live the remainder of this week, if you should tarry, give us victory, give us help, give us encouragement, give us grace, give us everything we need to be what you call us to be. Bless the funeral service on Friday, the Blitz on Saturday, services on the Lord's Day. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed, church. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.